Hey, super fans! It's your friendly neighborhood host, Maria Timonina. Welcome to the Super Intuit Podcast, a show about people and their passions. Check us out online at my website, mariatimonina.com, or on Instagram at maria underscore timonina. Special thanks to the marvelous Veronica Gruba for her sound engineering magic, and my grandparents, Joanna Gramps, for being my number one fans. If you'd like to support the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Now let's get into it. Hey, James. Hey, how's it going? Guys, I have my friend James Ferrero here. He's the creator and producer of Shakes on the Rocks. Which I'll tell you guys all about later. But first, James, what mm. are you super into? Well, um, if it didn't give it away, I'm pretty <laughs> in Shakespeare. Willie Shakes. Willie should get old Billy Shakes and I. We go, <laughs> we go way back. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He's he's great. It was yeah. actually my first uh, the first play I ever did was a Shakespeare play when I was about maybe twelve years old. Romeo and Juliet. Uh, no, actually, weirdly enough, uh, we were doing Twelfth Night. Really? Yeah, and okay. it was it, it was this fun thing I did with this uh, theater that did this program during the summer for kids called Summer with Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So since all the other kids were going off and like doing like outdoor camps or other kind of camps, I was at Shakespeare camp, yeah. and I did that for a few summers. Um, met a lot of good friends there, and just kind of got that intro to it. They would like bring in. Actors with the company would come in and like teach us about like text and scansion. Someone would teach us about uh, Elizabethan dance. Someone would teach us about like improv and using our voice. And it was just like all these cool things. So growing up, that was super cool. And then it just sort of like continued on through that. Uh, I, I eventually went to high school at uh, LA County High School for the Arts. And then I went to college at Santa Cruz where I studied theater and like they have a Shakespeare festival up there. So it was just kind of more of that. I was like picking it up and learning it and doing some shows here and there. And yeah, then I moved back to Los Angeles and still was a huge part of the scene down here. It's a huge classical theater scene in Los Angeles that not a lot of people know about. Weirdly enough. Yeah which was really great. And so I found a lot of those theaters. I've worked at a lot of those theaters. And then uh, just, I I always kept going back to Shakespeare, even when I would like go off and do like more contemporary work or I'd work on a student film or a web series. And it was all fun. But then like, I always found myself going back to so many of those like tenants that you built with Shakespeare at the beginning. And that just like made my job so much easier was just having that understanding of it. Yeah, so it created a foundation for all of your creative work, kind of. Definitely, absolutely. So what I'm curious to know is when you first, like, first time ever laid eyes on a Shakespearean text, did you look at that and you're like, this is dope, this is my shit, I'm so excited about this? I was excited about it. I first time I looked at it, I think I probably had no idea what I was looking at. Right, um, right. It was just because you know, everyone like growing up, you know, and they would talk about Shakespeare. There was always this like, oh, Shakespeare, oh, it's too. That's too confusing. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand that. Or yeah. like, you know, how can you work on that? Like, I, like no, no one will understand that. And that's what I thought when I first looked at it. And as I, as I continued to learn about it, as people taught me about all of like the tricks of the trade mm-hmm. of how to like scan the text, how to break down the text, how to like translate words that don't make any sense anymore. And, and I got older and I kept looking at it. I was like, Oh, this is actually like remarkably clear. Hmm. And there's so much fun, dramatic, like juicy stuff in here that we can just sink our teeth into Mm -hmm. that. Once you understand it is, is so much fun. Then it's your job just to communicate that to whoever you're doing it for. And I realized Anything I, anytime I saw something where someone would be doing some Shakespeare play and just, I, I didn't get it. And there's been plenty of scene that I don't understand and that I'm just totally lost during. And it went back to that production or that actor or that director. It was like, you didn't communicate it though. And as a result, the audience turns on you because they're hmm. like, that's, I, I wouldn't understand that. That's too confusing for me. Yeah. They, I've always heard that a mark of a good Shakespeare actor is being able to understand the play the whole way through. I think so. I think absolutely. And if you do it right, you you can do that. Um, it reminded me of, uh, I know at Oregon Shakespeare Festival, I did a 
uh, two week seminar seminar there when I was a junior in high school. Oh, that's so cool! Which was that's a very good cool. one to do something oh, at. Yeah, that's was, like for those who don't know, it's like the premier Shakespeare festival thing. Yeah, in uh, the country. Yeah, Oregon Shakespeare Festival is, uh, I believe, it's the largest repertory theater in the country, at least one of them. And yeah, they're and they're known primarily for their work. They they do a lot of different work, but Shakespeare is their bread and butter. But everyone travels there to see, and they're really really good. Um, and so I got to do this two week seminar where you just met all of these people mm-hmm. from all over the country and we just like, we like lived in like dorms for two weeks yeah. and just would like wake up early, get, you have your breakfast and you go off and you do these intensives like every day. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. And then we'd go and see the shows at night and we ended up being able to see all the shows. <sighs> Which was so great. Also, then it was just the sort of the bonds you forged with these people that you didn't know before. Yeah. And after two weeks, you're like, well, now we're leaving. And, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm leaving to go back to down the road from you. It's like, I'm going back to Los Angeles. You're going back to uh, Northern Oregon. You're going to Maine. You're going to Florida. And it was just like, we were like, oh. And it was kind of right around, I guess, when Facebook was just starting to get more popular. Yeah. So that helped a lot. But yeah, there's, there are certain people there is, uh, who I made friendships with that I'm still very close with that I consider my best friends. But, um, That's awesome. but yeah, but with that, I know they had announced something probably three or four years ago where they were going to have modern playwrights come in and were going to write their own interpretations of Shakespeare mm-hmm. and they would be, they'd be performing them in conjunction with like doing the classical text. And I had a lot of friends and the classical theater community that were not fans of that because it was like, you're like readapting, you're reinterpreting. Like why, if you just do the show as it is, people (laughs) will understand it. Like, why would you change it? And I understood that. And usually I would say that, but what I did like about this was that specifically they were bringing in very, a very diverse group of playwrights, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of female playwrights. And so they were coming in with their own for them, sort of their interpretation of this classical text. And they were putting that on there, which for me was really cool to hear. Cause I was like, I have no idea what Luis Alfaro's interpretation of this play would be, but I want to read that now because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be really fascinating. So I think that when you, if you give it an adaptation like that, if you have an interpretation, that's something different that we haven't seen like that, mm-hmm. especially from people whose voices we don't usually get to hear, I think that's super cool. And yet you can also still do the classical text. And it's a good jumping off point for people who are a little scared of Shakespeare. They can go see that. And then if they want to tackle the classical text play version, they can. And they don't feel quite as like, I'm not going to understand it. I never learned about it. That's over my head. Yeah. Because for I've I've seen and observed like people putting on Shakespeare productions with modern uh, flair, it's always that they treat it as a blank slate in mm-hmm. a way. Cause there's people are so, especially something like Romeo and Juliet, like people are so familiar with it, whether you are an actor and in this world, like we are, or if you're just someone who got forced to read it in high school, which I did. And I hated it mm-hmm. at the time. I, I, I did too. And I was like, it, it was at a time when like, Everybody knew about Romeo and Juliet, yeah. and I had read it, and I was like, oh, okay. And then there was the blah, movie blah, blah, that, like, blah. made it kind of cool. And, like, mm-hmm. that's a great movie, but, yeah. like, at the time, I was like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it's definitely taken some time. I recently worked on a couple different productions of Romeo and Juliet. Yes, you did. To the point, to the point where I was... I saw at least one of those. You, you did, yes. <laughs> to the point that I was completely tired of it by the end of it. Like, yeah. But it was important for me because it kind of reawakened that play for me that I'd forgotten about because I just took it for granted. Like, everybody knows that play, whatever. And then working on it so intensely, like two times consecutively, like back yeah. to back, just so quickly. Yeah. Like, I, what is that, six months of your life? Yeah, just about. Like, six it was like months. one was done. I went right into the next one. <laughs> working full time on two it different was, Romeo and Juliet. It was nuts. But then I, I walked away and I had such a deeper understanding of the play. Well, yeah. yeah and yeah. just like, and the characters and like different interpretations. And it just made, I made it make so much more sense to me. And I, did end up enjoying it a lot more than I used to. Mm. I sort of put my foot down and said, I probably don't want to go back and see another production of this for yeah. a while. But when I do, I'm going to have that knowledge there. Doesn't it feel a little bit like Stockholm Syndrome, though? Because you had to a do it bit. so much, now you're like, I'm in love with it. Yes, Such definitely. a good play. <laughs> and, but then remembering back to like when I had to read it in high school, it's like, well, what did I think of it then? What did I know about it then? Like, And I realized 
you know, when well, I was 14, when, when you read it then. Yeah. And I was like, man, you didn't know anything at that moment. You had no idea. No, you don't know. You had like the very, like, just like the very surface of it. Yeah, we were, I remember in high school, we had to watch it next to West Side Story and then write a paper about the comparisons. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. we, we, we know. We get it. We understand, yeah. but it's nice to get it out of the academic format and actually, you know, do it as a play, which is what it is, yeah. which is what you should be doing it as. Yeah. And I, I would really be amiss if I didn't show the fact that James and I have both played the same character in Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I forgot. About yes, that. Gregory, right? Uh, I, I, yeah, actually, Gregory was. Uh, I played Gregory in a different production almost nine years ago. Mm-hmm. With uh, I too was Gregory. Yeah, I was. I'll always and, remember my Gregory. And I and I wasn't even supposed to be Gregory in that production. I was. Uh, I was playing Peter in that. He's yeah. a character that usually gets cut for good reason. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it was. But it was fun. And the group was fun. It was a really cool show. But then their Gregory dropped out. And, you know, I had a pretty small part. So like, oh, you just take over for Gregory. And I was like, oh, cool. And then almost uh, eight years later, when I did this la- these last couple shows, I was Samson in one of those. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, now I've done Gregory. And now I've done Samson. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm conquering this opening scene. The salt scene. and pepper shakers of the beginning of the play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's and great. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And the second time I got to do Benvolio, so that was a lot more fun. Yeah. Because I was like, ooh, I get, I get some more to do in you this You get to now. be, like, slightly more relevant to the plot and also... <laughs> exactly. Have a little fun. <laughs> so is Benvolio your favorite character you've played? Or? Um, You know, he was a lot more interesting than I initially thought because I feel like I feel Benvolio always gets a bad rap from people when they talk about Romeo and Juliet no one ever talks about I really want to play Benvolio yeah no one says that yeah and yeah, it's yeah. like you know like you want to be Romeo or you want to be Mercutio or you want to be Tybalt like you want one of like the show or you want to like, be the nurse parts. exactly yeah, yeah there's a lot of really fun parts in there to do and Benvolio like as I was looking at him I was like you know what Benvolio is exactly who most of us really are yes a lot of us want to think we're yes. Mercutio or a lot of us want to think that we have like Romeo moments or maybe like you know oh I'm like Tibble yeah I don't take any shit from anyone I'm gonna like you know confront you about yeah. all this shit and then it's like no like most of us are that friend who is hanging around with those other people that you know that are like that, yeah. kind of trying to keep everyone like cool. I'm like, yeah, guys, yeah. guys, let's all just like it's chill like, out. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it's like a bunch of people saying that they're Ravenclaw, but they're actually Hufflepuff. Exactly. And they just can't admit it to themselves. Um, it's so funny. My friend was playing Romeo in that, and we were like, we'd always talk in rehearsals a bunch about like, like Benvolio, where is he coming from? Every scene that he's in, he keeps talking about food, or he keeps talking about eating, or he's talking about dinner. And we we determined that Benvolio never actually gets to eat during this whole play because <laughs> he's you always me? he always like is about to go or he's like you know where shall we dine let's go here and they never <laughs> actually go anywhere so he's just stuck there constantly and it's like hey he comes in and he just he just wants that burrito yeah. he just wants to go to the poke place and he can't go he can't. anywhere his because suck. his friends keep throwing him into different things or they keep taking him to different places and. Yeah, and and uh, and my buddy who was playing Romeo and that kept making the joke of like, yeah, Benvolio probably finds himself like eating at the poke place by himself. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're not too far off, but you know, he's got he's got he's got to get his bowls in there somewhere. Yeah, so, gotta get that bowl. So it was fun, kind of like exploring it in that way and finding like, oh, there's a lot more in here than people will give him credit for. And it's a it's a, it's a tough role too. It's mm-hmm. tough because you're not you don't get a lot of like the big scene shoe scene chewing moments that like that a Mercutio would get or Tybalt or Romeo. It's like you have to kind of play off of everyone else there. And my my job was much easier in that just because all the actors they had playing those roles were all amazing. Mm-hmm. So it just made my job so fun and easy just to hang back and engage with them. And it was, and they were just so giving and they were very open and listening and, it yeah, it really it really helped a lot. But he's he's a fun character. He's a lot more fun than people give him credit for. So yeah, probably not my favorite character of all time, but of course, yeah. But definitely, definitely worth it. I would I would recommend playing Benvolio to any actor who is maybe <laughs> not considered it. If you have to do Rolling on Juliet, maybe Benvolio would be fine. And you know that the artistic director has already cast himself as Mercutio, so you're not gonna get that. That's you're okay. Not get that. That's so fine. you might as well go for someone else. Yeah. 
Hey, first is the worst, second is the best one, all right? Always. Listen, so if not, let's just say Benvolio isn't your dream role. Fair enough. Let's just pretend it's not. Fair enough. Um, what would be your dream role? Because every actor, guys, if you're yeah. not an actor, every actor has a dream role oh, in Shakespeare. Yes. Oh, or yes, like five, but like mm-hmm. one. Give me one of your five. One of the five. Okay, that's... Ooh, that's And really if you bad. say Hamlet, I'll have to hit you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick of you white boys saying Hamlet. <laughs> it's, it is true. I've, I've, I've talked to more than a few who yeah. will pull me aside and be like, but this is what I really want to do. I'm like, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. you all said the same thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leave a few of the main ones off because I think that there are certain characters that like at least every dude that I know and, and a lot of girls I know too like want to play those roles. So mm-hmm. like I'm not going to, so I'm going to leave like Hamlet and Iago and all those characters to the side for the moment. Okay, all right. Because they're all great. Good. And I, and I, and I and love them too. And you don't want to anger me because we're sitting in no, close ab- proximity. Absolutely not. You could easily reach across and smack me across the head right now. Yep. So no. Keep that um, in mind forever. <laughs> I think that there, there, there's a few that I've like toyed around with that I'm going back to everything comedy and drama that I really want to play. But recently I think the one who I want to play more than anyone is Proteus from Two Gentlemen of Verona. Actually, Ooh, talk to me about that because I don't give me a short synopsis too. Because mm-hmm. Two yeah. Gentlemen, I don't know a lot. About so it. yeah, it's 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 one of the lesser known ones, yeah. and there's some reasons for that. But when I was recently reading it again, I was kind of surprised by how entertaining and fun it was for the majority of the play. Um, it's because it's it's technically a comedy, mm-hmm. but what always drew drew me to it is that I think it features some of the most human characters that he wrote hmm. in an, in sort of in these situations that are not so far flung or you know these big kingdoms or these things that most of us can't identify with. They're all very identifiable, and uh, so but so the basic story is you've got Valentine and Proteus, like mm-hmm. two best buds. And Valentine's going off to uh, pursue his studies in another in another town, and Proteus is stuck at home, and but he's there like with his girlfriend, and they've been together forever, and they're very much in love, mm-hmm. and that's Julia. And then his father says, like, you know, you should be getting out more. Go go off to the Val- <laughs> go with Valentine to Milan, and you can go go hang out with him. And he like doesn't want to leave, and Julia doesn't want him to leave, but he's like, I have to. And so he goes there, and it's like he's seeing his buddy again, and his and Valentine's always been like. You know, Adam, you know, I'm, I'm never gonna, like, you, you've got yourself a girlfriend, like, I'm not gonna have one, like, I'm on my own, like, you know, it's never gonna happen for me, I'm not looking for love, and of course, when Proteus shows up, he's, Valentine's already fallen in love with someone, so he's just, like, going on about, uh, Sylvia, mm-hmm. is her name, and he's just, like, obsessed with her, and Proteus is like, okay, and Proteus meets her, and immediately falls for her as well, mm-hmm. and has a great long monologue talking about this and like the issues of it's like I'm already with someone uh-huh. I'm already someone that I love but I also just met this woman who I love as well but she's also with my best friend and regardless that's a terrible thing I shouldn't mm-hmm. be like getting involved in that and he, before house. He, he, he perfectly lays it out of he's like this isn't good like I'm not proud of how I'm going about this but I can't help myself and to me that that read to me is so many people I know, some really close friends of mine that are extremely emotionally guided people. <laughs> and that was the Actors. best. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and even like worse for some of them where it's like, I know those people who like after a week of like dating someone, they come to me and it's like, I think I love her. And I'm like, oh my God, dude, like you've said this before about other people that you're not with anymore. Or like, every person you've ever. Exactly. Mm. And so, and so I looked at that. I was like, wow, produce is actually extremely at that moment in the play. Mm-hmm. I have to specify that um, is very identifiable in that it's not good what he's doing and you don't support it or condone it. Yet you understand where he's coming from and you understand where Valentine's coming from. And Sylvia wants nothing to do with Proteus because she's like, no, what's wrong with you? Like, that's your best friend. And mm-hmm. Julia has no idea and is trying to figure it out. And she's coming over and then she finds out. And he's like, he, he takes some really horrible measures, like, you know, by saying, like, Julia's dead and, like, I don't have her anymore. And she's like, no, she's not. She's right over there. It's like, <laughs> she's really, physically standing five feet away from it's you. It's really terrible what he does. But you almost are, like, falling and being like, you know, well, I want to see where this goes. Now, the big, the biggest problem with the play, and this, where most people probably know it about, is the ending is extremely problematic 
because mm-hmm. it, it all ends with uh, Sylvia and Proteus in the woods. And he's been like, basically like, you know, trying to be like, you know, why won't you give me a shot? She's like, I don't owe you anything. Like, uh-huh. no, get away from me. I don't and, love where this is going. No, not it. No. And it's not, it's not good. He then, he, he then makes his move to make an advance on her, tries to rape her in the middle of the woods and uh-huh. says, I'm going to do this by force. Jesus. Valentine happens to be there hiding. He comes out, calls him out on it. And so he stops it. So nothing Nothing happens, but oh. it's like it gets that close and you're like, ooh, this isn't this isn't good. Yeah, though. what's this play now? Exactly. Like it went from like kind of darkly funny to like this is just dark, terrible. And Proteus, who up to that point has been like maybe somewhat still identifiable, completely loses all sympathy. Oh. Because it is just like, ooh, like that's we can't support we that. We felt bad for him and then he's a but dick. Now we can't. And yeah. so and but and and this is the weirdest part of it, is that Valentine comes out, you're thinking like, oh, he's gonna like lay the smack down. Proteus is like falling over himself, apologizing, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, blah, da, da, da. You're my best friend. Yeah. And it's all this stuff. And then the weirdest part of all of it is then Valentine immediately forgives him. And not only forgives him, but basically says, you can have her. Oh, no. Yeah. Twist. It's, it's really weird. It's not. And it makes no sense for the rest of the play why he would all of a sudden do this, especially after he just tried to rape her. It's really uncomfortable. Like, obviously, the initial initial rape scene is uncomfortable enough. And what makes it even worse is then the person who saw it then says, you know what? You can have her. She's yours. Like, it's so unnerving. And then they wrap it up in the end. And then... uh, Is she okay? She's fine. She makes it out. She, She makes it out. And then it's like... It's complicated. We got like Julia is also watching and then he yeah. finds her and it's like, oh my God, she's here. Like she's not dead. And boom, it's like now he's in real trouble. But then so Valentine and Sylvia remain together anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and then Proteus and Julia remain together as well. Their fate's a little more nebulous of like, how are you guys going to work that out? Like yeah. you've really screwed things up. Yeah. But then Sylvia and Valentine will run off together and you're like, wait, like they end up together anyway. Mm-hmm. So why did we need all this stuff about... You know, oh, you're my friend, so I'll I'll give her to you. It's it doesn't go anywhere in the plot. It makes no sense, and it's just kind of unnecessary and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest problem with the play itself, and it's the only thing I think that holds it back from being a better play and more widely seen by by a large group of people. But so, with the exception of that ending, which is still like, and I mean, I'm still trying to figure this out too. I wouldn't know how to like work with that. Myself. Yeah, yeah, being but, on the actor side of it, inside of the character, and ex- having to make justifications mm-hmm. for yourself. Exactly, but I think that if you if you find a way to figure that out, I still think you have before all of that, you have one of the most humanistic plays that he wrote with mm-hmm. characters that yeah, like if we haven't been in that exact situation, we know someone who has in some way. Where it's like two friends and one is with someone, one's with someone else, and then the friend falls for it's like this these things happen all the time. Hmm. So it's interesting that it is written in in that form that he took with it. But it's a really it's a really fascinating play and a very bizarre play in that sense. But yeah, but that's why I think Proteus would be a really fun role to tackle. With do you that. do you think people could do that whole play but take out the weird scene in the woods? And I think, it still be the play that it is, you know? I think that you have to do, you might have to do a little bit closer cutting because you need the scene in the woods at the end just to wrap up the mm. whole play. Okay. But I think if you do some, if you do some clever, careful cutting, and I won't say, I won't say what you should cut because right. then you'll be stealing my idea. Oh, the listeners. oh sorry. Um, no, no, it's like, it's... Uh, <laughs> Everyone, quick, get out your pencils. <laughs> get out your pencils and start marking your scripts. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you can do some, some tricky cuts in the ending that because I because also sometimes people don't want to follow through with the with the rape scene which I understand it's very uncomfortable I think that you need to ride that out because it is part of the play and you can't change that and you need that there to push the rest of the action along how you handle it is up to you and everyone has a different interpretation of that and that's fine But I think that if you do some clever cutting with Valentine's response to it, Mm -hmm. I think you can find something there to make it work better. Doesn't answer all of your problems. There still are a lot of issues with it, but I think that you can, I think, I think it's interesting to look at it through that lens Mm -hmm. and yeah, if, if, if you, if you had to cut it, which you kind of do. 
Yeah. And when you talk about, you know, clever cutting, I know what you mean by that. But if someone mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, I, I think maybe you can speak to a little bit more about how challenging it can be to take a, a, a full length Shakespeare oh, script yes. and make it smaller because of all the things there are around the mm-hmm. way the words have to be said and the musicality of them. And I, I'd love to hear you talk about that more. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, well, so when you, when you're cutting a script, it's basically you're, you're, you're shortening it is the, uh, is the quickest way to say it. And you're, yeah, you're, you're just trying to cut the play down to a reasonable length that also works for your interpretation of what you're doing with the piece. Uh, also with, uh, if you look at any of Shakespeare's plays uncut, quote unquote, huh. and a lot of people talk about like, you know, oh, we did the uncut version. Right. That's not exactly in my mind, something that's commendable all the time because <laughs> I feel like every, every Shakespearean show does some cutting of any production you've seen. Right. Every production you've seen of any of the plays with the rare exception, if they say we didn't cut anything would have cut some material because the plays themselves are so long when they're uncut. Yeah. If you honestly did a full play without cutting it at all, with the intermission, you'd be running every show at like two and a half, two hour, 45, sometimes three hours. Yeah. And most people don't want to do that. I'm one of them. Yeah. So every production will do a little bit of trimming just to get it down to a manageable length. Also, sometimes you have side plots or side characters that were written in at the time that now just don't really move the plot along or they slow things down and people would prefer not to not to work with that. Peter from Romeo and Juliet's an example of that. He he'll pop up occasionally in shows, but if he does, he has little to no dialogue and is mostly like a servant for the nurse. Right. And that's fine because when you look at if you look in the original play, if you were doing the uncut version, he's got a few scenes that were written in as comic. He was intended as the clown in Romeo and Juliet. Mm. We never talk about a clown in Romeo and Juliet because there probably shouldn't really be one. Mm. And, but that's, but that's what Peter is in there. And a lot of the time his stuff gets cut because it doesn't move the plot along. It just is there for weird humor's sake. There's one that's just very strange and in, in the placement of it, that's like a dramatic scene that all of a sudden has a funny bit and then it's dramatic again. And it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Another fun fact for me, when I also got to be Gregory, they cast me simultaneously as Peter. Hey, all right. Yeah. So we've we've run the same track that probably only a few people can say they've done. The Gregory Peter track from Romeo and Juliet. Yes. That is, if you don't cut the Peter. Yeah, and if you don't, and most of the time it is, and that's okay. You can you can get away with that. Um, but most most uh, full productions will. They may not cut a lot, but they'll cut enough as they need. Now, if you were doing Shakespeare for you know, an hour long show or an hour and a half show, you would obviously have to cut a lot more. And then that gets into like, how much do you want to cut? How much is still telling the story? Mm-hmm. Cause you don't want to cut too much where it then detracts from the story. So that's, that's always the trick with cutting. And so sometimes you get a cut that feels very jarring and like they left something out or they, they took something out that you needed to move the plot along mm-hmm. and it feels very strange. And then you get a cut that, is really well done by someone who really understands the text and the material and they leave in all the important stuff and they manage to trim some of the fat around that you don't even notice. Mm -hmm. So it's a very delicate process of how to cut a script, especially Shakespeare. Yeah. And it's something you have a lot of experience with because drum roll, please shakes on the rocks. Yes. Which I said at the beginning of the episode, you're the creator and producer of it. And I'm one of the actors you've cast. And I thank you again a million times. Absolutely. Because it's super fun. And all of this talk about cutting is something that's relevant because Mm -hmm. you want to explain the show. Yeah. So shakes on the rocks. uh, I developed it about a year ago uh, in the sort of wake of a lot of these shows I had been involved with or shows I had seen where it's uh, quote unquote Shakespeare in a bar, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense why people would want to do that. Yeah. It's very like, popular in LA. Oh yeah. In New York. Very, very popular. I know of a group that does it in Atlanta. Um, there are groups that do it in New York, mm-hmm. groups that do it in the Bay. They're all over the place. And yeah. And so like that started popping up a lot more and I was involved with one that I'm still involved with, which is super fun. And then I had my own ideas for like, if I was to do a show, like, what would it be like? Mm -hmm. And 
you're always thinking about like what's going to set this show apart so it's not just a copycat of another show that happens to be there. And with me, I thought it was interesting to note how instead of in the uh, in, in the other show I did, you would get your part, your parts would be assigned to you, you'd be cast in a role, and you'd get your scripts maybe like a month and a half in advance, and so you'd have time to learn your lines and come in and you do it for a night, which was great. And then I thought, what if instead of casting people, and what if instead of having people memorize scripts, what if you just have a certain number of scripts that have been cut down available for the actors, and because you, you don't even know what play you're going to do, and they don't know what character they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I wanted to have the play chosen at random, and I wanted the characters chosen at random. <laughs> and just having, like, for the most part, the same group of actors around who would then be jumping into, it could be anything from maybe a part that they would usually be cast as, or someone of the other gender, or maybe a type that they never thought they would play, like mm-hmm. an ingenue who's playing a clown, or, yeah, like a, or, or a clown who's playing an ingenue. Like, you get, yeah. you, you can get both with yeah. that. Or guys who cast as royalty playing fairies in Midsummer. Oh, yes. Yes. All the time. All the time. So it's just... It was, so yeah, it was like I was like I don't know if this is gonna work, but it's like kind of a fun idea. I want to see work. how it goes. It works very well. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to think so. I'm kissing um, ass, but I also just enjoy being <laughs> in it, and I'm trying to get all of you to come see it. <laughs> it's it, it it is a really really fun show. We had a great uh, run during the Fringe at, during the Hollywood Fringe Festival last year. Um, we got a lot of people that were coming in and seeing it. They enjoyed it. We were doing it at the three clubs in Hollywood. We came back after Fringe and did a few more shows, and yeah, then we went on a little break, and we'll be bringing it back this year in a newly revamped space at Three Clubs and uh, a newer show. The show's always evolving as well. Um, things will change. We always do. Uh, so, so basically, the format of the show is the play's chosen at random, the characters are chosen at random, and then the actors will get about 10 minutes to go off and review <laughs> their scripts, because you know, we believe in the rehearsal process. We want to give them time. Mm-hmm. So we let them go off and like very look at generous. that. Absolutely. It's a very busy 10 minutes for me, I will say. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> um, and you hear from different actors. Some actors are like, I don't need 10 minutes. I'm fine. You have some actors like, please give me the 10 minutes. And yeah. it's like, well, use with it as you will. Because we're insane. Exactly. So, uh, so, so as, as the actors are doing that, uh, we do sort of a fun game show with the audience. We do sort of a Shakespeare trivia. Uh, we call it playing our bards, right? Mm-hmm. And we have someone come up. I ask them some questions about Shakespeare, about the plays, about his life. And then we get another person come up and do a round. And then we get both of those people up. And we do a bonus round that we call Fire at Will, where they have to start (laughs) naming off Shakespeare plays in 60 seconds, as many as they can name, back and forth. And they can't repeat any names. So it's fun seeing the people that get up there who know their Shakespeare pretty well and they can do it. And the people that are a little bit more like, I know of... Two plays, and you just said both of them. So you get a lot of fun there. And then also we've we've gone back and forth whenever we can book it, but we, we will have it for the upcoming year. Uh, we have some live music as well. Mm-hmm. We have an accompanist on piano who will do their set with either themselves or with another singer, and they put that together. And then the accompanist also does music for the show itself. Mm-hmm. And so that brings it to life. So after that's all done... We bring the actors back in, they introduce their characters, and then they just take it away. And a script, speaking of cutting, these scripts are cut down drastically, Mm -hmm. much more than you would probably do for like a regular production. And all of these scripts probably come out to about anywhere from an hour to an hour 20 total. 15 to 17 pages about after scripts that start off at like closer to 90 Mm -hmm. to a hundred. Right. Yeah. Just, just about that. So it's a, it's a drastic cut and that was tough to do because I, I, I like cutting. I like my play shorter in general, but also like I love Shakespeare. I love the text. There are things, there are beautiful moments. I don't want to cut with a show like this. We almost have permission to cut a little bit more. We have to kind of like, you know, people talk about like cutting it like with like scissors and you almost take your machete out on this and just yeah. like kind of go at it. Yeah. Cause you do, you, you can't be too precious about any of it yeah. in this particular format. And if people like the play and they want to see a full version, well, they can go see a full production of it, but that's not what we, it's not what we do. So the plays are significantly shorter, but we, yeah. but, but we like being in there and being out of there and like giving people a good 
time at the bar, getting their drinks, enjoying the show, and then still getting out relatively early so they can chat with us if they want, or they can run as far away from us as they want. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of a little rundown on that. Yeah. Uh, very considerate to cut it down as well, especially considering all the hams we have in our cast, myself included. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but, yes. Uh, <laughs> That's why I love you guys, though, because I'm the same way. We have fun. Oh, yes. Uh, and one of my favorite things, uh, one of my favorite cuts of all the plays we've done, um, which we haven't... Act, uh, yeah, we did once. We It did get on the wheel once um, for Hamlet. Ah, Was yes. my favorite. I think that might be my personal favorite, too. Uh, yeah, I think that was one of your funniest cuts. And there's um, something that happens in the play repeatedly that ended up, like, kept getting cut famously. Mm-hmm. Can you tell them a little bit about yeah, that? Because that was fun. absolutely. So so initially, we had started off with uh, the first plays that we cut were Much Do About Nothing, mm-hmm. Twelfth Night, and Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. Three of the most accessible comedies mm-hmm. that you can do. And we did that, and everyone kind of got that really quickly. And I was like, all right, well, what's the added challenge? Let's get some tragedies in there, but also tragedies that most audiences are familiar with. So mm-hmm. it was Hamlet, Romeo and Juliet, uh, and then Macbeth and Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. And so we put all those up there. Now, Hamlet was the trickiest one to cut, mostly because it's the longest play mm-hmm. that he wrote. Mm-hmm. So that's no small task to get that down. And then you realize that a lot of that is, no kidding, Hamlet. Yeah. And he's got a, <laughs> he's got more than a few soliloquies that go on for a very long time. Famously. And and, and famous for a reason. Like, they're beautiful soliloquies, and there's a reason why everybody wants to play this character. And it's some of the most, like, famous lines you'll ever hear, even if you don't know Shakespeare. It's like, everybody knows, everyone knows to be or not to be. Like, it's like, it's almost, like, ingrained in your genetics when you're born. Yeah. So, that, that being said, looking at that, I said, well... One, for the actor who gets Hamlet, they're going to have all these soliloquies to do throughout this, like, supposedly hour and 20 minute show. Yeah. That's way too much. Like, it's, we're not going to have time for it. Also, I would feel terrible Mm -hmm. making an actor go up there and doing that much dialogue with very little prep. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then my idea with that, and this, I'm curious to see the result when we actually do the play. Because I'm sure some people will enjoy it. I'm sure some people might be a little thrown by it. They may not be big fans of it. But I went in and I cut Hamlet's soliloquies. I believe there's five of them. But I cut them all after the first line. <laughs> so, and at Just first... Just to piss off pure Shakespeare files. Exactly. <laughs> and and at first I did it as a joke when I was cutting. I thought, ah, well, let's see how that works. And then I was kind of laughing, like, oh, that, that's kind of fun. And then the next one, it popped up again. And I was like, well, let's try it again. And when I put it all together, I said, well, one, this is a much more manageable length of a show. And right. two, this is the part of the play that everybody knows. It's the most famous part. Yeah. I, I just get one line now. <laughs> and, and, I, and I don't want to cut the other stuff in the play that maybe not as many people know about because right. then they don't get to see that. Yeah. Everybody knows to be or not to be. So... So as it reads, they'll get out there and so everyone will leave and Hamlet will stand out there. You know, he may start with like, you know, oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. Hamlet! And someone will like come in and it's like, you know, like they like interrupt him and then it's like they continue on, you know. So like, it's like Hamlet, but he can't get a word in edgewise. He, he can't, no, because maybe they all know too that like, oh man, when he gets by himself, he just goes on forever. You know, he's just there like to be or not to be. My Lord! What, what, what? And it's like, yes, no. Before you go off on another five page soliloquy, we need to talk. Yeah. So, and so it was kind of fun. And I think that a show like this is the only show where you can get away with that because right. there's no way you could do a full production and cut the soliloquies. No. People would demand their money back yeah. and they They'd would be, be like, they'd be so mad about it. And I could understand why. But with a show like this, we're in a bar. It's called Shakes on the Rock. Two drink we, minimum. Two drink minimum. <laughs> we just did a game show portion. Yeah. Like, people are running around in sheets, like, you know, wrapped around their heads or wrapped yeah. around their bodies. They, or... they give us a, a prop box, but we mostly just wrap the sheets around us for no reason. <laughs> the, 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 the sheets are fun. The sheets were actually recommended by uh, one of the other cast members when we were talking about what people would wear. People wear pretty neutral, like, colors, solid color top and jeans, we wanted to give them something else, and one of the actors was like, why don't you give them sheets? You can do anything with a sheet. And it was such a great idea, and I definitely took that. We needed to have that actor make us do a workshop on what to do with these sheets, because every time I get one, I'm just like, all right. And I just like, 
it's either a cape a which isn't manageable because i'm also trying to hold the script while i perform or b it's like a toga but i don't know how to tie a toga ah. so like there's just a lot of things well, that are happening there's 11 other actors back there i'm sure someone could probably help you out with that we have safety pins as well we so do have safety that helps. pins that's true uh. yeah the <laughs> other actors are probably we're all too busy drinking backstage true you know that <laughs> I, I i thought you were prepping for your lines prepping our but, lines uh, i'm okay. sorry no, Did that, I that, say? that that's good to know drinking water and prepping for our lines is all we do back there um so it's a it's kind of fun i guess it's it, it, it's it's a very fun night it's very enjoyable i mean i'm 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 biased like yeah. i've been but it's been fun watching it's sort of evolution from when it was just kind of like a when it was just an idea in the back of my head and i was throwing it around with uh with some people with some of my really good friends some of which are involved with the show and then they all started talking to me about it. And then they were like, reminding me of saying like, that's a good idea. You should pursue this. You should figure that out. And it kind of helped give me the confidence to go forth and do it. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause you're thinking like, this is kind of a big thing. And it's like, it's fun, but maybe, well, but maybe people may not get it or what if it doesn't work. And it's been, it's been an interesting journey. There's been things that work, things that haven't worked and we've, We've worked through it, but it's great. Like this group has stayed together and everybody's still been game and they still want to come do the show. Mm-hmm. People still come see the show. Yeah. So that's, so that's really nice. I'm excited to see this year, like how it continues to evolve. Yeah. And, um, I have to mention because I still can't believe James figured out how to do this. Cause I'm now I think it's a conspiracy theory. Um, when we, our first, so we did an audition that was basically a mock of the show. And then we did our first two shows and <laughs> the plays, we only had three plays to choose from, you know, someone, you know, picked out of a hat the same play three times. And then I was, you know, randomly given a role three times in a row. And you guys, I played the same role three times in a row and it was Benedict and I'm still mad about it. And I can't believe that happened. Well, first of the all, odds. I mean, well, three wow. times, same play three times in a row. And I got the same freaking character three times in a row. I mean, I've never heard anyone complain about having to play Benedict and <laughs> much do about nothing. So that might be a first. Honestly, um, I sucked the first two times. I really <laughs> found my Benedict by the third. So I really, I needed it. I think it was mm-hmm. God being like, this is embarrassing for you. You really, you, we need to give one more shot all right it was so it was so surprising and i guess like i shouldn't have been too surprised because at the top like we only had three shows so the chances are pretty high now and now now we've like bumped it up to seven but when we started with that i still thought like we're putting it on a wheel like we have a wheel that we spin and that selects the play like it's gonna be something like we may get the same play but not consecutively oh that would never happen when when we got that much ado like threesome i i was just as surprised as anyone that by I'll, and I'll I was say set this, up. He wasn't surprised. But I'll. But, but I will say this: by the last show, I was getting demands from the entire cast to take much ado off the wheel because yep. they said we cannot do it again. And yep. I said, I understand. I don't want to see it again necessarily. So let's let, let's get it out of there. <laughs> and so I might have done something to get it off the wheel a little bit, so you'd have more of a shot at the other plays. Yeah. Which was fun. Also, if, like, we had repeat audience members. I don't want them to think that you guys do the same thing every time. Yeah, this is all rigged. We just want... That was a, such a bizarre coincidence. I don't I, I, I don't even know. I'm hoping to get some more tragedies this year. Because we've only done one tragedy so I'd love far. to do some tragedies. And there are a lot... I, it sounds weird, but they are a lot of fun. Like, there's yeah. a lot more you in can explore in this environment, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, with what you're doing with these shows, yeah. I think it's it's perfect. To have a new perspective on it. I think I, I think you need it. And I think it helps then to having the scripts up there because people don't have to worry about like, did I get that line right? Do I have that there? It's like, when in doubt, you've got the script with you. You can look down, find it, and then come back up and you and, and still act it. People think they have a script on stage. They have to have their heads in it. But what we've made a big deal about and what the actors on our show have like gotten really good at doing is they don't put their heads in the scripts. They don't just sit there and like recite it. They can embody it. Mm-hmm. They have the script there to just have the lines there for them, but they can still look at another actor and deliver their line and they can still emotionally convey what has to be said in, in their own way without having to worry about if they're getting the words right. Yeah. And it's often more fun when they don't get the words right. Cause that's where you get the, the best comedy. You guys, if you want to come and make fun of me, this is like the best show to do it, especially because I feel like our audiences are out for blood. I love them. God oh, yeah. love them. Oh they yes. They love it when mm-hmm. we mess up. 
those are some of the biggest laughs of the night when we're just like tripping over our words and we're just like, hey. I have to admit, those are my favorite moments of the night too. I, know. I, I When it's I get not such me, I love it. <laughs> They're fun. I mean, and it, and it is fun because, and, and what we constantly tell, tell the actors is we say, so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Like, right. You're gonna you're you're gonna stumble over a line here or there. It's gonna happen. Like no yeah. one's gonna come through that's completely unscathed, and that's okay because own whatever that mistake is, exactly. as the audience will love it, and then they'll embrace you. Yes, yeah. they'll laugh, they'll get a kick out of it, but they'll also be sitting there rooting for you to get back on your feet because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, oh, see, you are human. Like, come on back. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. You got this, and yeah. you almost get that energy, and it will help drive you through. And I think it's always better to like use the audience as your sort of like your cohort in that rather than your enemy that you're like, it's like, it's your audience. They paid to see you. Like you should be embracing them. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, I mean, we'll see with the new renovations that are happening soon, but the space as, as it exists now, it does feel like, you know, you're not, we're not going to randomly pull you out of the audience and make you do something like mm-hmm. we're not going to embarrass you, but we are so close and have the opportunity to move throughout the space, including mm-hmm. in the booths with people. Um, yeah. and I think that makes it just like such a fun group experience. And yeah. And, and part of that is like once the, once the Shakespeare play starts, yeah, it's like people may engage with the audience, but for the most part, the actors will do what they have to do on stage and the audience is embracing it because I do enough embarrassing of them while you guys are all prepping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. calling someone to spin the wheel or to pick names out of a hat or to do the game show section. And you can, I, there's actually along with that, uh, I, I have a story about that section when we were doing it during the fringe, I just would like pull someone out of the audience at random for the trivia section. And there was this group of guys seated right by the stage and I saw one of them and I was like, Oh yeah, come on down. And this guy came down, I didn't know him, and I started asking him, I asked him a question, I was like, hey, like, what's your name, where are you from? And he kind of looked at me, and he, he, he heard me, but he kind of looked back at his buddy and was like trying to understand me, and I immediately realized, it was like, this guy's first language isn't English. Oh. I didn't even know that. I didn't know this happened. And he, so, 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 so he looked a little like, kind of like nervous about it, and I said, you know, hey, like, if you feel more comfortable like watching this part, like, that's totally okay, like, you don't have to worry about it. And he got that, and he kind of shook his head. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I want to do it. I was like, all right, great. Let's go, then. We'll just jump right in. And his buddy was sitting in the audience, and he said, like, I'll translate for him. And I was like, great. So I would ask him the question. He'd look back, and his friend would translate it for him. And he would turn back to me, and I asked him three questions. He got two out of the three right. Nice. And every time, I've never pulled for someone so hard to get every question right yeah because i could see he was trying to figure it out and then he would do it and i was like he's getting them right and the audience was right in there too and they were all like standing up and cheering for him and being like yeah 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 and the last one he got was like kind of the the annoying question that no one gets right that's just in there just to like mess with you so i was like don't worry about it no one ever gets that one right man like you basically got them all right yeah and the next person we got up it was just a moment of like try to follow that one man yeah 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 so sometimes you get a moment like that with an audience, which is great. But then after they can, they can kind of relax back there. No one's going to call me on stage anymore. They can just sit back and then watch the show. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, when this episode is airing, I'll make sure to put the upcoming show dates and where you can get tickets as well. Yes. Um, and how many shows are we looking forward to again? This so year, James? we will be looking forward to, uh, after the February show, mm-hmm. we will have three shows. After that. So that will be on May. For the rest of the year. Yes, for the rest of the year. Yeah. And that will be on May 21st, which mm-hmm. is a Tuesday. They're all on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next one will be August 20th. Mm-hmm. And then the last one will be November 19th. Yeah. And they'll all still be at three clubs. It'll be a newly renovated space, which is very exciting. We're very, very excited about that. Um, but yeah, so that's our uh, that's our lineup for this year at this at this time and place yeah anything else we should tell people about Shakespeare James I think probably and this is just the main thing for me and this is why this is why I love doing like any of the other shows I've done that I still do which is like Shakespeare in a bar mm-hmm. um which which includes uh, trash can Shakespeare is another show that I work on that has a very similar spirit or why I started Shakes on the Rocks or why I continue to like look at Shakespeare and everyone thinks like, man, you're really into this. And I'm like, yeah, well, what I want to, but I want to tell people is that like, it's so accessible and so fun to be able to 
do and communicate on stage with everyone. And it's just like people tend to back away from it. They don't want to, they, they, they want to acknowledge it. They think it'll be over their head. They think they'll be confused by it. And they just, they, they don't even want to go see it. You know, maybe they did read it in high school and they had a bad experience and they don't want to go back to it. And what I'm always like looking for, what I'm striving for is to get people into the theater. One, getting people to live theater, which is harder to do now than it's ever been. Of course. And yeah. especially to go see Shakespeare, which is so hard now. And people wondering, like, is it still relevant? Is there something still there? And there is always a new interpretation. There's always a new voice that can talk about it that we haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always want to hear. I always want to see how are you bringing something new to this material that is still doing the material and we're still like, you know, like respecting that and all that, but how are you developing it now for a modern audience? And I think that it is possible. And I think that hopefully people don't become so scared about Shakespeare that, that they just don't want to even look at it anymore. Yeah. But that they can't. This can ain't your it. high school Shakespeare exactly. kids. Exactly. It is not because, well, you probably were drinking in high school, but um, <laughs> I that's hope not. neither here hey, nor there. Hey, we don't promote underage no, drinking. No, 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 not, not at all. We're not super into all. underage drinking. No, right? we're, we're not. I do not support <laughs> it in any way. But here you can legally do it, which is a lot more fun. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, James. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week, super fans. And hey, remember, have fun out there. <laughs> <laughs>